0: The Green Bay Packers were down 21 to nothing to the Tennessee Titans after the first quarter on Sunday and never could play catch-up. To break down the game, we turn to NFL analyst Sharona England in Nashville for some insight. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. central at cheesehead tv i'm your host brian caravu we're talking some packers football we're talking about a loss to the tennessee titans to help us do that we have a guest joining us on the phone this morning expert interview we have sharona england who is an nfl analyst in nashville sharona how you doing this morning I'm great. How are you? Very good. Um, Sharona, I I know you've written for proplayerinsiders.com, which I think sure. is interesting because it's an officially licensed partner of NFL Players Incorporated, but I know you also mm-hmm. host your own podcast and do some other things as well. So, just to kind of start things off here, do you, do you just want to describe <laughs> these outlets you contribute to and give them a plug? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm still affiliated with, with PPI, though I haven't written anything lately. <clears throat>
0: um,
1: but it is a great, great group of people. Melissa Mayer is a great, great person to, to know and, and be associated with. And they do a lot of work with, um, the players and their wives, their spouses. And so it's really, um, a good place to, to learn a little bit more about what players do besides the work that they do on the field. I also write for a, for a scouting and analytical website inside the pylon. Great group of guys. So smart. I, I'm constantly amazed at at the, the talent base there. And I'm affiliated with NFL Female, which is a group of women who cover um, their respective NFL teams. And I cover the NFL for NFL Female. And I do have my own podcast. It is called Talk with Sharona, and we combine a mixture of sports and politics and entertainment and and all of that. We just came back from a brief hiatus, so that's kind of fun, and yeah, that's pretty much it.
0: You're a glutton for punishment combining sports and politics.
1: No, I know. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about this game here. Uh, yeah. The Titans beat the Packers on Sunday. Uh, yeah. Sharona, what what message did it send by the Titans trying an onside kick? You know, right first thing to happen in the game, and yeah. it, it, were you surprised the Packers couldn't take advantage?
1: Um. Yeah. Yes, I was surprised that the Packers did not take advantage of that. To to answer the the easy question first, I suppose. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. The Titans did this in preseason. So this is kind of, uh, you know, uh, they coined the phrase exotic smash mouth, which I tried to uh, turn into erotic smash mouth. Don't ask about that. But, uh, you know, they've been, they've combined some trickery. Now, it hasn't always, in fact, overwhelmingly it probably but they did some you know, trickery in this game and some of it worked some of it didn't that's kind of the um you know the Packers tried one too you know they didn't want the Titans to feel left out so they you know they tried one too um but they, they have combined some trickery and you know you take the good with the bad and some of it was successful Sunday
0: yeah the halfback pass was very interesting that ended up going for a <laughs> touchdown for them Um, DeMarco Murray, uh, do you think he would have the success he did against the number two rush defense in the NFL coming into the game? Um, including that 75 yard touchdown run, the first play from scrimmage for the Titans.
1: I did. Um, I knew that if he were healthy, of course, that was the big thing. You know, he had, um, he was a little dinged up coming into the game and had some limited practice prior to the game, but, you know, he's been fantastic for the Titans this season. And, uh, you know, it's it's, the Packers defense has always kind of struck me, particularly this season kind of strikes me a little bit like the Titans offense. It's a mixed bag. You're never quite sure what you're going to get. And of course the Titans defense, on paper, you know, by the numbers looked good, but then you look at, you know, what, you know, what kind of offenses that, that they are facing. But, you know, they um, were a lot more successful than I expected, but I did expect DeMarco Murray to have some success.
0: All right. So after Taylor Luan, you know, was ejected mm-hmm. from the game, did did you expect Dennis Kelly and the Titans offensive line to play so well Or or was that kind of expected against a Packers pass rush that didn't have, you know, Clay Matthews in the lineup?
1: Well, not having Clay Matthews was obviously, you know, a huge loss for the Packers, and you can't replace a guy like that. I was concerned. I would have to say that probably – most fans were concerned for one simple reason, and that is because protecting Marcus Mariota is important. And Marcus Mariota being healthy and productive for the Titans is obviously important for their success. Now, having said that, um, you know, on my own podcast, I had talked to a lot of Philly people about Dennis Kelly, and I was confident that he would be a good fill-in. Um, he's not a guy that you want starting for you constantly. But as a rotational guy, someone who can come in and, and take up the slack, he is quite good. And, you know, that was a trade that a lot of people didn't like. But I think the value, you saw the value Sunday.
0: Uh, you know, speaking of Luan here, it, it was a chippy game with 19 combined yeah. penalties you know that there was yeah. the parish hit on and Aaron Rodgers that got teams into a shoving match. Did, did yeah. this? Well, imp- that was unacceptable. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. Did this impact your enjoyment of the game from a fan standpoint? Because this is a really long game too. I mean, it lasted like three and a half hours.
1: In their defense, though, so you've got you have to remember, um, and it's funny. I looked up the series uh, this morning in preparation preparation for this game you know, we remember the butt whoopings right <laughs> this the titans remember the butt whoopings and even though the titans overall own the series which i did not know that um it's been you know it's been largely uh you know mostly packers a lot a lot of the packers and in the infamous game the the 48 27 game i remember that game back on monday night football I was actually at that game. Um, and then the the 2012 game where you beat the Titans 55-7, to your players don't forget stuff like that.
0: Absolutely. I, I'm sure they were motivated to face the team that at least traditionally has been a power. Um, we're talking to Sharona England of com, among a whole host of other outlets here on <laughs> Railbird Central on a Monday morning, um, Sharona, um, the only one other NFL game this season had more yards in the first half than the Packers and the Titans combined for. Do you think that was good offense by both teams or bad defense or maybe a combination of the two? Yeah, I think it
1: was a combination of the two. Um, you know, the Titans defense has been... Uh, up and down inconsistent in 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 large part this again by the numbers you know it looks good but they've been very inconsistent and um so i i think it was a little bit of both now you know you can't discount listen Aaron Rodgers when he was on and you saw Aaron Rodgers make some plays Sunday it was vintage Aaron Rodgers but um and you know and when Marcus Mariota isn't turning the ball over is playing well. And the the Titans are uh, converting third downs or they didn't get a lot of third down opportunities simply because they were making big plays on, on first and second down. But yeah, you know, it, I think it's a little bit of both.
0: Where, where do you think both these teams go from here? Can either the Titans or the Packers be playoff contenders this season?
1: Uh, I would have to say, listen, I'm surprised at how poorly the Packers have played this year. Um, the, the offense has been a concern to me for a couple of years now, you know, two or three years. It just hasn't been the same in, in terms of playoffs. <clears throat> the Titans might have the better chance simply because they play in a terrible defi- division and the AFC South is you know, Brock Osweiler, the Texans are, you know, um, by default sort of in you know, in in the lead there, but Brock Osweiler has underperformed in Houston and um, you know, the Titans have a big game against the Colts this next Sunday. And so, you know, we'll see how how things go. It's hard for me to envision the Packers as poorly as they're playing, making the playoffs this year, though, you know, the NFC is kind of down a little bit too.
0: Yeah. The NFC North is not exactly a powerful division this year either. So uh, I I suppose the Packers at least remain alive from a mathematical standpoint, if nothing else at this point, Um, Sharona, uh, pressure is increasingly mounting on Packers coach Mike McCarthy You know, as someone who lives in Nashville, I mean, just what do you think, you know, what are the chances of him being the Packers coach in 2016, or 2017, pardon me, next season?
1: I don't know. I think it depends on how the team plays the rest of the season and, um, you know, how they respond to adversity. I, I like Mike McCarthy well enough. I think that, I um, mean, you know, we talked about the defense, and you know, again on paper looked good this year. I've always kind of had a love-hate relationship with Dom Capers. Um, is he the right? Is he the right guy for the job? I've I've never really been convinced of that. I remember some of the infamous comments about the read option and you know the struggles that the Packers had with the Forty ers back in the day when they were good. You know, so. um I think that you cannot discount how much success he has had and it's hard for me to envision one season, even though they have, you know, struggled the last few years, one season sort of derailing all that. So I would would think that he would still get another year, but that he would be
0: very much on the hot seat next year. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, one last question before we let you go. When does Marcus Mariota surpass Aaron Rodgers on a ranking of NFL quarterbacks? Or is it possible he has already?
1: Well, if you read my Twitter timeline yesterday, you would think that Marcus Mariota was on his way to Canton. Um <laughs> He's an exciting young player. There's there's no doubt, but you know, one week you love him, the next week you he's going through a lot of growing pains that you see in young quarterbacks. Has he surpassed Aaron Rodgers? Not in my mind, but I think Aaron Rodgers is a wonderful quarterback. He's long been a quarterback that I've admired and and enjoyed watch playing, but I, but I think that we're seeing a lot of progress. A lot of good things from Marcus Mariota, and yeah, sure. In the next couple of years, uh, hopefully, he, he he will be surpassing Aaron Rodgers.
0: Well, Sharona, thank you so much for taking a few minutes this morning Thanks to talk a little me. football. Is it, what? When's the next episode of of Back Talk with Sharona?
1: We'll be back this week. Probably we typically when we're on a regular schedule, we do a two week uh, two show per week format, but. Last week we did one, this week we'll probably do one too, and that will air on Friday.
0: Sounds good. We'll look for it then. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Greatly appreciate it. Keep up the good work there in Nashville. I guess she (laughs) has gone off. Um, Very good. Well, thanks to Sharona England for joining us here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Glad to have her join us. Glad to have you the listener join us as we continue on with the show. Packers news of the day. The Green Bay Packers lose to the Tennessee Titans on Sunday, dropping their record to now a losing 4 and 5 on the season. Uh the Packers got down 21 to nothing in the first quarter as I mentioned, and never could play catch-up. In fact, I saw a statistic on on social media. I never confirmed this or anything, but I had read somewhere this was the first time they were down 21 to nothing in the first quarter in the past 30 years to show you how bad things have gotten. Now, they they actually, things turned around a little bit since then. The defense didn't get appreciably better. They got a few stops here and there, actually, which kind of gave them a chance. But the offense really had gotten gear from the second quarter forward, which was I- encouraging. And uh, as we go through our post-game chips report here, as we do every Monday following a game here at Railbird Central, you'll you'll find out. You know, a lot of the good performances were on the offensive side of the football. And um, and without further ado, I guess you know, uh, two two players in every category here. Blue chips, red chips, and cow chips. But to start with the good from the game, the blue chips, your best performers from this game. Uh, Devontae Adams, I think, gets one. Uh, He led the team in yards from scrimmage. Uh, Also, exactly the same number of receiving yards he had. He only came via reception. Uh, 156 yards. He caught six of nine targeted passes. He also had the longest play of the day for the Packers, which went 46 yards and you know what? As this, this Packers team perhaps is looking for a number one wide receiver this season, Adams just might be it. Um, obviously, Jordy Nelson is kind of your presumed number one wide receiver, but you know, with him coming off the injury, being a step slower, I'm just not sure he's a number one anymore. Maybe it's a 1A and a 1B kind of thing. Um uh, but but i think you know Adams can almost be the more productive wide receiver now as he seems to be more healthy this season than he was last year which you know last year for Devontae Adams i think people were really discouraged and he's come back and done really well this year and, and you know i just I, he's exceeded my expectations there were points where i thought even the packers may have to consider releasing him uh, if he didn't turn things around you know this past off season uh but he really has uh in it several times has done very good this year uh he almost deserved to be even more involved in the game plan in fact there were there were a couple times in this game where it's like uh, i know i'm i'm sitting there watching aaron rodgers and he he threw to either jordy nelson or richard rodgers and i'm like Devontae's open it, it, he's killed people so far this game. Why don't you keep f- 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 feeding him the football? <laughs> oh man, it, it was it was frustrating to watch. Uh, but Devontae Adams was also, you know, the player who at least initially came to the defense of Aaron Rodgers on that you know late h- hit by Parish Cox, uh, three yards into the end zone. And if the team was looking for emotion, Adams provided it. He was kind of a little bit of a spark plug this game providing them with explosive plays and a little bit of emotion. So good job by Devontae Adams. This game was really good to see out of him. The other blue chip performer I thought was Nick Perry. Um, If you look at the stat sheet, it, it looked pretty pedestrian. He had six tackles, just one for a loss but if you you got to look beyond the stat sheet you you know to to find out the impact a player made on the game and you know among those six tackles three of them went for stops and you know that is a proprietary statistic of profootballfocus.com um but he he also had four quarterback hurries this game and, and they counted it as his highest graded game of the season and was the second overall graded edge defender in the NFL this week. Nick Perry out there was was doing really well. And, it, you know, a lot of it was against the run. So it doesn't always, you know, come through in terms of, like I said, statistically. He's not out there making turnovers and didn't make any sacks this Sunday. Uh, but he's out there grinding, setting an edge, and... You know, I I didn't. He certainly was not the problem for the Packers, and there there were plenty of other places that they were problems. But Nick Perry was not it this Sunday, and you know this was good because he bounced back from a, a poor game last week uh, when he was persona non grata against the Colts. But that was pretty much his only bad game of the season. I, I thought Nick Perry has done. Exceedingly well this year. You you could make the argument that Nick Perry is the team MVP this season, or maybe the defensive MVP. There's still time to go on that. We're not going to hand out you know any awards like that when we're just one game over the halfway mark in the season here. Uh, but you know, Nick Perry setting himself up you know as a free agent in the off season to. Perhaps be paid rather handsomely and you know, maybe a player the Packers have to lock up just just good job Nick Perry and Devontae Adams your blue chip performers. All right, your red chip performers the good maybe not great. um, But but still very viable contributors to the game. Uh, One of them goes to Jordy Nelson, who had 12 catches on 18 targets. 126 yards and a touchdown, found the end zone on Sunday. And, you know, maybe the reason he's not in the blue chip category, even though he had more catches than anyone, um, uh, is the fact that, you know, he's just not that speed merchant uh, anymore. But, but you know, he's catching everything thrown his way, uh, proving you can still be effective without being a speed merchant. Um, and, you, you know, he had... He, Interesting this not just this game alone, although I didn't you know I didn't factor into last week's performance. But anyway, Jordy Nelson does, just for what it's worth, have the most targets in the NFL uh the last two weeks. I think he's been targeted something like thirty times uh the last two weeks and, and really making an impact here. Uh just just making spectacular catches with his hand. There was a couple times, you know, he was he was on point with Aaron Rodgers on those back shoulder throws or just catching balls in tight windows things like that um so really doing a good job from that perspective and um yeah uh, Jordy Nelson even though he he didn't bust any long ones you know yet there there can still be a role for a possession type of wide receiver in this and that's what Jordy Nelson is now he's he he wasn't it wasn't always this way He's now a possession type of wide receiver. Who would have thought that? Who would have called Jordy Nelson a possession receiver? Uh you always thought the the ceiling was a little bit higher from him than than just, you know, having that label. But I'd say right now he's a very good possession type of wide receiver. Um so not taking anything away from him when when you're when you're secure catching the football and can make plays and keep the chains moving, there's a job for you in the NFL, and Jordy Nelson was it this week. Uh, the other one goes to uh, Corey Lindsley. You know, with with all the injuries on the offensive line, he was a rock, and this is pretty much the second week in a row. In fact, it gave him a red chip last week in his debut game uh, against the Colts. I thought he played really well. And he played well this week against the Titans. You know, it's all the more remarkable considering he had to do it with Don Barclay on his right after TJ Lang went down. Um, It seemed to me as if Corey Lindsley was the only offensive lineman this game that was not responsible for a sack or at least a near sack of Aaron Rodgers as pretty much everyone else gave up pressure at one time or another. Obviously, the replacements did Barclay and Jason Spriggs; Those guys struggled out there. Uh, But even before he left, David Bakhtiari gave up a sack this game, a rare one from him. Uh, And Lane Taylor was nothing to write home about this game. He did not have a good game. Uh, Brian Belaga was pretty good uh, on the right side, but there was a time or two where he gave up a little pressure. But anyway, so... Corey Lindsley, of all the offensive linemen, I thought he kind of played the best this game, and, and was deserving of uh, another red redshirt performance, Re- stepping in for J.C. Treder and, and holding down the fort, doing a really good job. Uh, you could argue, argue when J.C. Treader comes back, he may not be getting that job back at center, but there may be a job for a guard for him though. We'll we'll see. J.C. We'll, J has got to get healthy first, but uh, good good job by Corey Lindsley filling in. All right, so we've gone through the good. It it was probably, you know, for many people, hard to find the good in this game amongst a lot of bad, and there was no shortage of cow chip candidates. Uh, The worst of the worst this game, Um, uh, I thought one went to linebacker Joe Thomas, who was forced to play a bigger role once Jake Ryan went out of the game and was especially exposed in pass coverage. The most glaring mistake of the day was when he was beat by DeMarco Murray, I thought, on a wheel route coming out of the backfield on a 35-yard pass play. Uh, When when Thomas should have gone over the top instead of trying to pick his way through the trash, kind of got screened from the receiver and it ended up being a long play, long explosive play for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Joe Thomas was also at least partially responsible for Delaney Walker's huge day cut. He came up with nine catches for 124 yards, which is amazing for a tight end. Um, it's not as it Thomas wasn't in coverage on Walker every time, but he was on several. And, and I just thought, you know, during the preseason, we were going to see Joe Thomas take a big step forward this season. But with the exception of one or two splash plays, and really they happen very early in the season and haven't seen a lot since, it it hasn't really translated to the regular season. Um, And Thomas certainly hasn't been anything special against the run at all. If anything, he provides a little bit of something against the pass um, uh, for the Green Bay Packers, but hardly anything against the run. Um, yeah, I don't know what the Packers do without Jake Ryan. He's been really good out there for them. I, th- I think improving for the Green Bay Packers. I wonder if Jake Ryan misses a long time. If you're going to see Carl Bradford come off the practice squad, they would have to make a move to do that. We'll see how bad this, this ankle injury is by Jake Ryan. Uh, we don't really know yet, but, uh, yeah, Joe Thomas, not good on Sunday for the Green Bay Packers. The other cow chip goes to Richard Rodgers, the tight end. You know, his biggest mistake of the day was a drop on a fourth down in the second half that would have converted a first down and kept the chains moving as the Packers were in comeback mode and still, while a long shot, still alive at that point, at least in the game. And, you know, this this was especially disappointing for a player whose best quality is supposed to be his hands. If Richard Rodgers can't catch the football, then he's doing very little else to help this team. Um, Just looking at the statistics, he ended up catching four of seven targeted passes for 27 yards. That's an average of just 6.8 yards per reception. The least of anyone on the team not coming out of the backfield to catch the ball, uh, so Richard Rodgers uh, just not helping this team. It, Richard Rodgers, I'm I'll, I'm gonna go it on a limb and say it. Richard Rodgers is a number three tight end in the NFL. That's that's all he is. I, I'm convinced of that. He is just not athletic enough to be anything more than that. Uh, there's there's a spot for him in the NFL, considering typically he's got a very good set of hands. His body's big enough to block. Um, he can contribute a little bit on special teams. Um, but, you know, by and large, he should be a number three tight end. He should be the kind of guy who comes in in the red zone, Um, and very little elsewhere on the field because his athleticism is so limited. He can do very exceedingly little after the catch. Yeah, uh, when Jared Cook gets back, uh, I I hope to see a lot less of Richard Rodgers on the field. Don't mind that he's on the roster, but he is a number three tight end. I mean, the Packers got Justin Perillo, who's a number three tight end, maybe even a number four in the NFL Packers lacking in talent at that position right now definitely need something at tight end uh, big time this team does uh, that like I said there was no shortage of candidates so I mean ultimately they go to J- Joe Thomas and Richard Rogers but Micah Hyde uh, I, I guess you, you know he he didn't get it because you know Micah Hyde tries really hard you can see his effort out there is good and he only escaped maybe the cow chips for solidifying the punt return job after Trevor Davis gave up a turnover. But, you know, Micah Hyde gave up two touchdown receptions and several other receptions that didn't go for touchdowns this game. He was exposed. Ha-ha, Clint Dix was bad. He gave up a touchdown. Pro Football Focus called it his worst game of the season just one week after having his best. I see... Haha, Clint Dix, uh, we talked so much about that range last week. But you know what? I see the range more in in, in him moving laterally from center field to the sideline than I ever do see him coming forward. He seems tentative moving forward. Not so much tentative, but like it's it's like the wheels in his head are moving and he'll make one false step or something like that. It's just not as good moving forward as he is moving side to side. Uh, he had a bad game despite being praised for a good, you know, an emotional pregame speech, which uh, really doesn't do much for me unless you back it up uh, on the field, and he really didn't, at least this game. Julius Peppers was invisible for and and has been for several weeks. Uh, I thought Blake Martinez and Mike Daniels each had a terrible first quarter, but I give them credit. They played better in the final three, Uh, but they were responsible for that 75-yard run by DeMarco Murray on the first play from scrimmage for the Titans, so lots of bad play uh, on uh, uh, this past Sunday. I've heard people, in fact, I think it was by Tom Silverstein of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, who kind of you know talked about how bad the young players on the team were playing particularly the rookies uh in this game was especially bad but i you know it's it's disappointing because i was encouraged the first few games of the season and maybe because it because they were playing such tiny roles then uh that the the roles would grow bigger and and but they haven't really played well. I don't know. I just was like, ah, oh, early in the year, I was like, ah, oh, Kenny Clark, Blake Martinez, um, Trevor Davis. Yeah, I thought all these ah, they're they're contributing nicely in these tiny roles. Now all of a sudden they're they're getting bigger roles and playing more snaps all the time, and they're playing more like Kyler Fackrell. Throw him in that category as well. All those guys struggled this game. They're not helping this team out right now. Um, which is it, it's disappointing and they're not the only ones. These are just, you know, several of the players I'm thinking off the top of my head. Kentrell Bryce didn't have a good game. Um, so yeah, disappointing for the, for these Packers rookies here. Um, you know, just kind of one last thing here, one last thought, uh, on the Packers before we move on. Um, Mike McCarthy, uh, starting to get a lot of heat. I think, uh, people out there are, clamoring for the Packers to make a coaching move. Um, I guess I don't see any mid-season firings happening here. I definitely don't see anything happening with Mike McCarthy like <laughs> right now where you, you think the Packers got to light a fire and they're going to fire Dom Capers or something like that. And it's it's definitely weird to see this team, especially after starting off the season so well on the defensive side of the football to see where they've come from, that and see the Titans run over them this past Sunday was was really discouraging. Um, I, I just I don't think it's happening anytime soon. I think I don't think it's happening in the month of November here. Um, even if you think it would light a fire under them, basically the way I see things here is it, I said the Packers had to win at least two out of these three consecutive road games here um, to, to, if they, if they have any hopes of making the playoffs and and I, I think I do feel this way yet. I think the Packers have to win. If they want to make the playoffs, they're going to have to win these next two games. And it's not going to be easy playing Washington and Philadelphia in consecutive weeks, both on the road, both are NFC contests. These two games, I think, will define the rest of the season because if they don't win these two, I know they've got battles with Minnesota and Detroit yet on their schedule late in the year in the month of December, but if the Packers don't do something now, if they don't put themselves in a position to have a better record, then I'm not sure those games are going to matter despite despite the Packers still being mathematically alive, they they've got to win these next two. And I will give Mike McCarthy and the coaching staff, especially these next two games to see what they can do. Um, uh, But, but I think, you know, I tend to think I, I would, I would say right now, if the Packers miss the playoffs, they're going to have to make a move with, with Mike McCarthy um from the standpoint I know that they've made the playoffs for 7 consecutive seasons but it's just the thing where uh things are getting stale with Mike McCarthy it's been a good run it's been a decade um it's 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 thanks thanks to Mike McCarthy for a Super Bowl championship uh of which I give him the utmost credit for um but unless he can somehow inspire this team to play their best down the stretch, as he typically does, as we talked about with Scott McKenna, on the last episode of Railbird Central on Friday. Packers typically get in that mode where they are like that, um, but it, it may not be enough to save it. I think the Packers may have to; they may need new blood if you want to get the best out of Aaron Rodgers while you still can. That they're going to have to make a move in the off season unless things totally turn around here i get i I'm going to let them try uh, i can let them try for sure uh i'm I'm not out there clamoring right now, make a change uh they get these next few games to do so because if this team can win these next two games on the road, all of a sudden you're coming back home and you got a little momentum then, and that's going to be a good thing for this Packers team. Uh, So, uh, going to allow them to do that. All right. Last short segment here. The day ahead. Mike McCarthy will have to answer to the media, though, in a press conference on Monday. That will be streamed live online at Packers.com before recording his own television show later in the day. So, busy day for Mike McCarthy and probably a nervous one after he's lost two consecutive games here. Uh, To AFC opponents um, uh, in one in which the questions are not going to be easy for I don't have the exact time of the press conference right now I didn't see it published online yet Uh, perhaps they're still trying to figure out what time works best for both the media and Mike McCarthy Um, but uh, if you're looking you know Monday is always the busiest day on the talk show circuit Uh, This is a big one here. Aaron Rodgers will be the guest on Packers Live with Larry McCarron. doesn't air till I believe, later in the week, either on Tuesdays, I believe, but it actually records on Mondays inside the uh, fourth floor, uh, the club level of the Lambeau Field atrium, and it is free and open to the public. So if you want to see Aaron Rodgers on a talk show uh, in studio, you can do so on Monday. Head to... Uh, head to the Lambeau field and uh, you'll be able to do it at least if you get in line early enough because those are the biggest line, you know, the, there'll be a queue forming uh, uh, on the, you know, kind of main level of the atrium and, and then you go up to the club level and it's going to be a long one when, when QB1 is the guest. Uh, so, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what he's got to say following a loss as he, You know after the game in the press conference admitted I have to play better and uh, I thought you know Aaron Rodgers did all right this game just kind of average didn't especially play poor I mean he had a couple poor interceptions uh, but he also helped spark this team Uh, I thought he played pretty well you know he had to press being down so far but I really did like the offense from the second quarter onward. They've got to go with this short passing game right now. this Packers they have to pass to set up the run right now. They've got to keep the chains moving with these short passes. That's that's what's working for them, and it's the one of the few things working for them. I'm I'm glad James Starks is back because he's comfortable in his role in the backfield, even though he hasn't been great this season. They need him uh, out there, um, but but you know. It's They're going to have to have success in the passing game to open up things in the running attack. It's got to be that way from here on out. Anyway, I digress. I was getting to the talk show circuit. Aaron Rodgers, in addition to him, David Bakhtiari, will be the guest of Ty Montgomery on Clubhouse Live. Uh, Aaron Ripkowski makes his debut as the new host on the In the Huddle radio show on the Woodward Radio Network. Chris Banjo was the host of that show, but they had to find a new one after Chris Banjo was released. So that's at 6.30 PM Central Time on the uh the the where they recorded is the Game Plan Sports Bar in Appleton uh before it's on you, you know, several outlets on the Woodward Radio Network. So you can hear Ripkowski make his debut there. Punter Jacob Schum is the guest on Pack Attack at Dale's Weston Lanes recording on Monday. So there you go. There's some of the places you can find some Packers football. Uh, to feed the beast, to uh, get your fix, so to speak, on this Monday evening later in the day is when uh, the talk show circuit heats up. But there you go, folks. Uh, Hopefully that provided a little bit of therapy for you today as the Packers lose their second game in a row here to the Tennessee Titans this past Sunday. Things aren't looking good. But uh, there's still time to go yet, still time for them to turn things around. I don't know how encouraged you are that they can do so, but the opportunity is there to do so, and at least in a division where the NFC North is a little bit down, uh, at least you can take solace in the fact they're mathematically alive. And if they can gain some momentum, uh, perhaps things can, can, can be better here. Uh, And there are reasons for optimism, as as slim as that may seem right now. Anyway, have a good Monday, folks. We'll be back again on Wednesday with Nathan Yonke of profootballfocus.com taking a unique statistical perspective look at this game. Um, My call to action, uh, I've told you a few times now, Save the date, December 11th. I encourage all Railbird Central listeners, we are getting together for a watch party at the Croguville Oasis in South Central Wisconsin. Like I said, you're going to have to look this one up on Google Maps. Uh, it's, It's outside Madison, maybe a little less than a half hour. It's by the towns of Cambridge, Waterloo, Deerfield, Marshall, uh, out there on a county highway uh, but look it up we're going to be out there December 11th for the Packers Seahawks game I hope you can join me there will be tons of other Packers fans there we're going to pack the Krog. Uh the Krogue is great folks it's got uh, this bloody it's known for its bloody Mary's it's got this chicken wing special 25 uh, cent wings on Sundays you're going to love it if you haven't been out there before Uh, It's it's a dive bar, but it's the best kind of dive bar there is so I'm gonna be there I hope you are remember December 11th Packer Seahawks game. I want to see you there uh, As we pack the Krog Um, So that'll do it folks for today's show. Thank you everybody so much for joining us today Thank you to Sharona England for being our guest on the show and uh, That'll do it for today's episode on behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Caribou. I leave you today with a song called Rosie by the String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See you everyone. Go Pack Go.